0: Sugar, honey, Splenda, the pink stuff, the blue stuff, then you got the white stuff, and then you got monk fruit, and then you got stevia. Are you confused about all these different types of sweeteners and trying to figure out which one is really the best for you? Stay tuned as I dive into the world of sweeteners. Does your metabolism suck? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Do you want off the diet roller coaster? Do you wish there was a simple solution to get you healthier, smaller, and have more energy? Hey friends, I'm Jolene, a nutritional therapy practitioner, wife, furry guardian, and non bendy yogi. Like you, I spent years chasing skinny instead of healthy until I finally learn there's more to getting healthy than eat less and move more. Welcome to Holistic Health Made Simple where I share all the tips, tricks, and science to set you free from the diet overwhelm and frustration with the ever-changing health goals. We go beyond the calorie and diet dogma to equip you with simple changes to real food, mindset, and lifestyle. If you are ready to learn to tailor your journey to your current health, implement simple solutions and achieve undeniable results, then this is the podcast for you. Pop in those headphones, take a deep breath, and let's get healthy. Hey, hey there. Today, we are going to tackle the world of sweeteners, both caloric and non-caloric. You're sitting out to dinner, and on the table, there's this box of packets. There's white, there's blue, there's pink, there's green. Yellow, what are they all, what do they all do, and how do I make the best decision for me? There's so much confusion out there regarding the sugar and the sugar replacements. Let's see if I can clear it up so that you are empowered to make the best choice for you. Before we dive in, are you on my newsletter list? Well, if not, you're going to want to jump on it quickly because I've got something to help you get started and have success at a steal of the deal, but it will only be offered for Black Friday through Cyber Week. So you want to get on my email list, besides the fact that I give extra weekly tips that are not shared on this podcast. Now back to sweeteners. In the last episode, I talked all about balancing sugar. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you catch it, because some of this will tie into that. I brought up the amount of sugar in juices, and the more I thought about it, In the next few days, I could hear so many of you saying, but it's natural sugars. And it was weighing on my mind that I figured I better talk about it. So let's start with caloric sweeteners, primarily sugars. The sugars from fruit, vegetables, fruit juices, honey, maple syrup, coconut sugar, white table sugar, brown table sugar, powdered sugar they all are natural to some sort of degree. And they almost all do the same things inside of your body, sort of. The sugar in fruit, fruit juices, honey, and coconut sugar are made up of a combo of glucose and fructose, where maple sugar, table sugar are mostly sucrose. Now this is important to know and you might be wondering why I'm pointing it out. What form the sugar is affects how the body metabolizes them or how they're affecting the body itself. So remember, fruit, fruit juices, and those things, they're made up of a combo of glucose and fructose. And the rest are primarily sucrose, okay? We're gonna start with the easiest one first, which is sucrose. Sucrose is one molecule of glucose and one molecule of fruct- fructose which some people say fructose. I don't care, I'm gonna call it fructose. Enzymes in your mouth will start to break down the sucrose into glucose and fructose and the balance of the breakdown happens in the small intestine. The small intestine will then make another enzyme which is um, finishes the splitting of the sucrose into the glucose and fructose. It's important to know that you're getting one fructose and one glucose for every one sucrose. I know that sounded weird but you get what I mean. So now when we go into glucose, glucose is absorbed directly through the lining of the small intestine into your bloodstream. From your bloodstream, it gets delivered to your cells. Because of this, it raises your blood glucose quicker. To get into your cells, insulin's released and is needed to shove it in. Go back to the last episode, it'll explain a little bit more on that process. It's important to note that the carbohydrates that are not an actual form of sugar or fiber are broken down into glucose as well. Glucose is the only form of sugar that is used as energy, but remember all extra is still stored as fat. Now fructose. Fructose like glucose is absorbed directly through the lining of the small intestine into your bloodstream. However, doesn't raise blood sugar as fast as glucose, it's much slower, and it doesn't immediately need insulin. So you might be thinking, well, fructose is way better, right? It's gotta be a better thing. Well, it does something different that can cause issues. Fructose has to be converted to glucose to be able to use as energy. And unfortunately, this can only be done in the liver. So when fructose enters the liver, it kicks off a series of these complex chemical reactions that we don't really need to know about. One is that the liver uses fructose to create fat. This process is called lipogenesis. Now, give the liver enough fructose and a tiny fat droplets begin to accumulate in the liver cells. This buildup of these tiny fat droplets in the liver is called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, because it looks like what happens to the livers of people who drink too much alcohol. Fructose was once only a minor part of the diet, at about 15 grams a day from fruits and vegetables. But now, people are consuming four to five times that amount due to the refined version, you know, that high fructose corn syrup, being added to all the processed foods, as well as the prevalence of fruit juice and other sugary drinks. You know, besides soda, think of your frappuccinos. Now my comment in the last episode that it is better to eat a piece of fruit over drinking fruit juice makes a whole lot more sense, doesn't it? Now for some scary facts. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease was almost unknown before 1980 it now affects up to 30% of adults in the United States as well as other developed countries. Between 70 and 90% of those people are obese and have diabetes or are developing diabetes. So it's important that we focus on balancing out our blood sugars, so that we do not develop these metabolic diseases and make more fat, especially if we are working so hard on losing fat and building muscle so that we live a long, healthy life. Limiting sugar to what is found in your fruits and vegetables is the safest way of doing this. But what about the other sweeteners? We all have sweet tooth, so I know we're all looking for something sweet, and if we need to cut out added sugar and the fructose added from drinks and stuff, what about other sweeteners? So we can break them up into two classifications, artificial or natural. But it's important to remember that even natural sweeteners, non-caloric or not, are still processed. Not many people use the leaf of stevia straight from the plant. The only thing that I think we use as a society that is pretty much in its true form it's probably honey, especially if you're getting raw, unfiltered, unpasteurized, and all that. But other than that, every single sweetener out there has to be processed in some way, shape, or form for us to use it. The most popular non-caloric artificial sweeteners are sucralose, aspartame potassium, which is also known as ACE-K, aspartame, and saccharin. There's another grouping of artificial sweeteners that are used a lot in baked goods and sugar-free sweets, which are maltodextrin, malitol, malatose, um, and there's a bunch of others. The ones I listed at the beginning are actually the most popular, especially when it comes to sodas and other sugar-free drinks. As for the natural non-caloric sweeteners, they are things like stevia, allulose, monk fruit and erythritol. And some of you might be thinking, how are allulose and erythritol considered natural? It's because they're a derivative of something natural and not a chemical to look like something's natural. It makes no sense to me, but those are classified as natural because they do um, show up in nature. But when you're buying them, they're generally manufactured or cultured to get there. So they're still produced in a somewhat natural phase and there was air quotes there. Okay so if you scour the internet you will find strong opinions on all of the ones I have listed good and bad. Studies have shown issues with the artificial ones from disruption of the gut microbiome to cancer and a host of other things they often lump in the natural ones with the artificial ones they just call them all non-caloric sweeteners. The poison's often in the dose, meaning how much are you ingesting. These studies are done using amounts of the sweeteners that are so high you would have to drink something like 100 sodas. I might be exaggerating, but I've done the research and it's not in amounts you would get from having a soda a day. Now, I am not saying that makes these sweeteners safe, I am saying that more studies need to be done to see if the same results happen in the amount we eat because remember, you can drink too much water and die. So are they problematic, are they not? I don't know. I'm not gonna say yes or no. I personally will stick to the natural ones. But with that, those also are not heavily studied. There's very few studies. There's a lot of new studies coming out about allulose being good for the gut erythritol on the other hand is produced in the gut so it's kind of really natural to us however there's also side effects both erythritol and allulose come with carbohydrates that are said to actually just pass right through kind of like fiber but do we really know if it does or not because i've spoken to people who react to both allulose and erythritol which makes me very skeptical of the body actually not processing it now they could be the exception, but there's a lot more than people will say because everybody says it's safe and nobody speaks up that they're having this digestive distress. I, for one, do not tolerate erythritol at all. I mean, I can tolerate it in really teeny amounts, but in like if you give me a, a bar or something with it in it, like in a normal amount, I'm straight in the restroom. It does not sit well with me. And then if I have too much allulose, I have the same problem. So the question is, are they as safe as people say they are? Is it something that some people react to and others don't? Is it a gut microbiome thing? I can't answer it because there's no studies at all. But because people do process it, even if it is a small amount, I don't love the net carb game for that exact reason. The body has to be processing it. Does it mean that it's used for energy or not? Not necessarily, but if the body's processing it, we are on a slippery slope of what we're doing to our bodies or what we're putting in our bodies. So I would prefer everybody sticking to total carbs because often when erythritol is used, that total carb amount is huge. So remember, I'm just educating you on what these all do, both sugars and honeys and fruits and fructose and these non-caloric sweeteners. You have to make the best choice for you and your health because each one of us needs to do what is best for us to be healthy, not what society says. You shouldn't have metabolic diseases. You know, There's gonna be people who can do fine with caloric sweeteners. And there's some that will do fine with the non-caloric ones. And some will have some combination of both just so that they can reach their health goals without those metabolic diseases. Now when we get to stevia and monk fruit, I forgot I haven't touched on those yet. When I talk about stevia and monk fruit specifically, I am talking about them being consumed in their pure form. When doing so you lose you utilize very, very little. Um, they are both super sweet, so you put very little into your drinks, oftentimes When you get them in liquid form, they're diluted in something, so you might think you're using a lot, but actually you're using very little stevia and very little monk fruit. But always read the ingredients for both. Monk fruit should be in its extract form and probably a liquid because if you ever got the powdered form, it's like extra, extra sweet. Use it primarily for things like drinks, coffees, uh, lemonade, iced tea. Stevia, again, used the same way. It can be either powdered or liquid, the stevia, but it should always be pure. Read the ingredients. They're both often uh, cut with other forms of sweeteners. Either Sometimes it's dextrose, which is sugar. Um, Other times it's erythritol and allulose. The front may say monk fruit or stevia, but the back of the package where the ingredients are, it'll list whatever it's cut with, especially if it's in powder form. Always check to make sure it's not cut with something else. Going back to my personal opinion, it's to stick to as little sweeteners as possible, caloric or non-caloric. That's not to say that I don't have things with sweeteners. I do like my chocolate. It just means I do my best to limit them. I limit them mainly because it does stir up that sweet craving monster in me personally, whether they're sugar-free or not. So it's best for me to avoid them um, and just have them on occasion treat them like a treat. Also, my taste buds have changed, so I can do that. And I know that's not easy for everyone, so sometimes you just have to give them up. But let's get into my tips on sweeteners. They are something we need to use very strategically and always think about balancing your blood sugar. And remember the whole 90-10 rule. Coming from a place of having to have something sweet, to sweeten your coffee or your tea in the morning, I always say to just swap out the sugar altogether, um, swap out the honey, use a stevia or a monk fruit or some kind of combination of both because stevia can be a little bitter and the monk fruit can mellow that out. But for drinks, try as hard as possible to stick with water, get off the sweetened coffees and teas and drink them straight. Um, Just in general, when we're having those type of drinks in the morning, we don't need that sweetness to start the day. You've heard me before, We wanna stay very um, savory in the morning. We don't wanna do sweets in the morning because we don't wanna trigger that throughout the day. As for sweet treats, if you want to curb your sweet tooth, try to abstain until the cravings stop. But the other thing you can use is use fruit. Fruit will tame it. It's not nearly as sweet as we think. Have a piece of fruit in its whole form And if you're really trying to cut back on the sugar to balance it out, stick to berries. They tend to have a lot more fiber in them, and they're not as as sugar-heavy, so we can get away with having the berries and balancing out the sugar a lot easier than we can, say, like a banana. When we get to things like a cake, cookies, pastries, candies, keep those as things you have occasionally. On a daily basis, have your fruit, and occasionally have the sweet baked goods. And I'm saying sweet baked goods because they could be sugar-free or not. It doesn't matter. That depends on your lifestyle and what fits and your body does. Like how healthy you are to tolerate one or the other or how rare it is. If you're a diabetic that has a birthday cake once or twice a year because it's your spouse's birthday and your birthday or an anniversary and a birthday cake, that's not a big deal. It's when we start having them on a weekly or daily basis. So keep them for... rare occasion and try to get your fruit in on a day-to-day basis for the sweets. And remember, we always need to focus on our health and balance. Enjoy it and be done with it. That actually requires mental work. It's not easy, but when you abstain for a few months, you're going to be really surprised at how your taste buds change. And things that you love today aren't nearly as satisfying and are actually extra sweet and sometimes you don't even like them. So just to wrap up, to sweeten or not and which to use is a personal decision. I'm here to empower you to make the best decision for you and your goals and your health. If you say, I can't give up my daily sweets, pastry, etc., I ask you to take a deeper look at why you can't. There's often an emotional component to it, And each one of us has to do the work mentally and emotionally to be able to give them up, especially if we're self-medicating or soothing with sweets or any food at all. You deserve to be healthy, both physically and mentally. When balancing blood sugars, where this all stemmed from, we gotta take a look at what these sugary foods are doing to us. And what we can do to mitigate those sugar spikes. So please, definitely go back into balancing sugar and learn how important it is for you. If you need help, I am here to help you reach those goals. The dopamine hit from the sweets, caloric or not, is often what we crave. We don't actually crave the food item. Be honest with yourself and work through it. I'm well aware that the food changes are often the simplest part of this journey. It's the mental part surrounding those foods that are much harder to work through. Be patient and be kind with yourself. You will reach those goals as long as you don't make anything a form of punishment for something you might have done. And on that note, friends, I will see you next time. Bye! Thanks for listening in today. Hope you got some nuggets to take on your health journey. Remember, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. No medical advice is being given. By listening to this podcast, you agree to the full disclaimer, which is linked in the show notes. If you found this podcast helpful, could you take 30 seconds and leave a review? Your feedback means the world to me, and it helps others discover my show. Once again, thank you for being part of my community. Until next time, have a blessed day.